1: leaked draft decision seems to indicate that the Supreme Court is ready to overturn Roe v. Wade.
2: What I've been able to read from Justice Alito's opinion is that he says very clearly, we are overturning Roe.
1: More bad news for Democrats heading into the midterms in a numerist poll.
3: It is a problem for Democrats, of course, on the ballot in November. A
1: big win for free speech
4: with the ruling by the Supreme Court against the city of boston the court's ruling was nine to nothing it unanimously said this was a public forum this is the daybreak
1: insider podcast your first look at today's top stories for tuesday may 3rd i'm mike scott According to a leaked draft decision obtained by Politico, it appears the Supreme Court is ready to strike down the landmark Roe v. Wade decision per an initial draft majority opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito. Justice Alito writes, quote, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak. And the decision has had damaging consequences. And far from bringing about a national settlement of the abortion issue, Roe and Casey have inflamed debate and deepened division, end quote. It is unclear if there have been subsequent changes to the draft. Erin Carmen, New York Magazine's senior correspondent, joined MSNBC and weighed in on the breaking news
2: i'm gobsmacked for the same reasons that you are in the sense that politico has posted a 98 page opinion and it is a draft we do not know if it will change between now and when we expect the court to hand down its opinion in june but nonetheless it is a detailed seemingly authenticated draft written by samuel alito that would make abortion illegal in at least half the country the day that it goes into effect
1: carmen says that in spite of the leaked draft Justice Roberts still has a vote up for grabs.
2: Unfortunately, anybody who listened to the justices deliberate in December is not going to be shocked by this outcome. What what does seem still to be up in the air is what will Chief Justice uh, Roberts do? Because according to Politico's reporting, at least, um, his vote is still up for grabs.
1: Carmen believes that after listening to their arguments in December, it is her opinion that Roberts will vote with the majority.
2: We heard him in December clearly say that he was interested in undoing the viability line, which is a way of overturning Roe without actually saying we are overturning Roe. What's striking about what I've been able to read from Justice Alito's opinion is that he says very clearly, we are overturning Roe. We are overturning Casey, with strengthened Roe.
1: Carmen emphasized that while it seems Roe is about to be overturned, there still may be some negotiations the justices will make with each other before they hand down their decision. So
2: this would enormously change people's lives, again, if this opinion can get to a majority. Um, so w- we know that what? people often will leak deliberations by the court after the fact. We don't usually hear or get to read the details. It is still possible. I don't know how likely it is. It is still possible that between now and the end of June, there will be some haggling, some, like, change in the opinion. But we do know that the votes are apparently there from conference for Justice Alito to have gotten at least an initial sign-off to write a majority opinion that cleanly, unmistakably overturns Roe v. Wade.
1: Carmen goes on to say that other justices still need to agree to the drafted Opinion.
2: I think he was assigned to a majority, which means that when they took their votes on Friday after the oral argument, there would have been votes for at least this outcome. Right. But when justices then circulate the opinion, they still need to get the uh, the other justices to fully sign on. So there right. have been times that in the process of writing, uh, justices changed their mind. Case Planned Parenthood versus Casey was actually an example of this in which yep. in the court in the course of writing it, there was
1: negotiations. Carmen says the leak is significant and speculates why it happened.
2: I would would say that the fact that somebody is leaking this is telling us that that person hopes that they can sway, perhaps, Chief Justice John Roberts, to split the difference a little bit. Again, I'm I'm totally speculating, but this extraordinary leak, I think, needs to be read on its own as somebody really trying to draw attention to what the court is about to do to the lives of the American
1: people. Jonathan Turley, a criminal defense attorney and legal analyst, calls the leak of the draft a show of how craven our politics have become, saying in a tweet, quote, the alleged leak of the opinion in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization is nothing short of breathtaking. It would constitute one of the greatest breaches of security in the history of the court, end quote. SCOTUS blog tweeted about the leak saying, quote, it's impossible to overstate the earthquake this will cause inside the court, in terms of the destruction of trust among the justices and staff. This leak is the gravest, most unforgivable sin. Meanwhile, Senator Bernie Sanders reacted to the leaked document by taking to Twitter, saying Congress must pass legislation that codifies Roe v. Wade as the law of the land in this country now. And if there aren't 60 votes in the Senate to do it, and there are not... We must end the filibuster now to pass it with 50 votes. The impact of the ruling as drafted would mean the end to federal constitutional protection of abortion rights and allow each state to decide whether to restrict or ban abortion. Looking at the ongoing crisis in Ukraine, Russia resumed pulverizing the Mariupol steel mill, That has become the last stronghold of resistance in the bombed-out city, Ukrainian fighters said Monday. That, after a brief ceasefire over the weekend, allowed the first evacuation of civilians from that plant. More than 100 people, including elderly women and mothers of small children, left the steel mill Sunday and set out in buses and ambulances for Ukrainian-controlled territory. Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby says some people have been evacuated safely from Mariupol. There has been
5: uh, some evacuations of, of some uh, civilians. Uh, we obviously urge the Russians to continue to work with the Red Cross and the Ukrainian government to uh, to allow those who want to leave to leave uh, and to do it safely without harassment.
1: Kirby also went on to explain why he believes some Russian forces are leaving Mariupol. I
5: can't tell you what that means uh, what, the, what the Russians believe that that means for their uh, uh, for their uh, uh, occupation of Mariupol or or where they think they are, but we have seen some some movement of of, uh, of Russian forces away from Mariupol and more towards the north. But that we believe is of a piece of their efforts to try to encircle uh, Ukrainian armed forces that are uh, that are in the Donbas.
1: Meanwhile, Republicans and Democrats say they'll back most of President Biden's proposed $33 billion supplemental aid package for Ukraine's military and economic and humanitarian needs. Retired General Jack Keane joined Fox News to discuss the significance of the aid package. What has been disturbing in the past, the Democrats have been trying to tie a Ukraine package to some of the other domestic things they wanna do, like a COVID bill. And I think, and I hope, that that does not take place because that would delay this for weeks. They, they need to pass this this week. Keen says he feels the White House is finally in harmony with the rest of the Biden administration. Listen, the tone of the administration Pelosi saying we're going to stick with you till victory is achieved, the Secretary of Defense
0: and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs and also the Secretary of State all saying the same thing now, and also this $33 billion
1: plus up, uh, 20 billions of it going to arms assistance and then economic and humanitarian assistance split among the other 10 is truly significant. This national survey from NPR, PBS, and Marist College points to a terrible midterm election cycle for Democrats. In this latest poll, Republicans lead on a generic ballot, a metric that usually favors Democrats by three percentage points. If accurate, a three-point GOP popular vote victory would almost certainly sweep the party into power in both congressional chambers. Lisa Desjardins, PBS Newshour correspondent, breaks down the results of the devastating poll. Desjardins says while Biden may take some solace in knowing that President Reagan's numbers were also low at the same point in his presidency, this new poll doesn't bode well for Democrats in November.
3: Some good news for Democrats may be that at this point in his term of office, President Reagan also had a low approval rating, about 46 percent. So you know this doesn't indicate the fate of a president. However. It is a problem for Democrats, of course, on the ballot in November.
1: Desjardins says Democrats may have a problem getting their base out to vote.
3: And I want to drill down into something specific that may alarm them. Mm -hmm. Let's look at their base a little bit. When you asked uh, people that we've surveyed uh, if they strongly approve of President Biden, let's look at what people said. Who strongly approves? Only 43% of Democrats strongly approve of the president. Though that's the base that you want to get out. 3% of Republicans, no surprise, not a lot of strong approval there. But look at independents. Only 9% of independents strongly approve of President Biden. That is a big enthusiasm problem for Democrats they have to really think about.
1: Desjardins believes the poll reveals Republicans are now favored in one particular issue that Americans usually favored. For Democrats
3: there are some very significant issues in which Democrats see a larger gap forming between them and Democrat and Republicans and public opinion let's take a look at this by the issues then so the number one issue right now seems to be the economy, of course. So when you look at the economy there, right there on the first on the left, the blue line indicates uh, people who believe Democrats would do better with the economy. The red line, that much larger line, Republicans, people who believe Republicans would do better at the economy. But, you know, we also heard from, we also saw in this survey that most Americans believe, more Americans rather, believe that Republicans would do better on crime. Look at that immigration figure. By just a narrow amount, more Americans now believe that Republicans would do a better job handling immigration than Democrats. That is an issue that Democrats in the past have done well with.
1: Desjardins says Latino voters feel Democrats aren't reaching out to their communities either.
3: I want to look at where Latinos have been in the past few years in terms of big surveys. This is where the percent of Latinos who told exit pollers in 2020 that they voted for President Biden. 65%, that's a number Democrats like, they'd love it to be even higher. But in our survey, this is the percent that said they would support a Democrat. In November, 39 percent, 52 percent voting Republican. And that is a huge issue in some states with some close elections like Texas and large Latino populations. It is a population that when I talk to Latino leaders on the Hill and otherwise, they would feel Democrats have not done enough to reach out. And perhaps that's what we're seeing in this poll.
1: Lee Meeringoff of the Marist Institute says that issues tend to change quickly and it's hard to determine what voters will care most about in October or November.
5: Right now, the issues of greatest salience for the voters are the issues that tend to be favoring the Republicans. And that's sort of also driving these general numbers about why the Republicans are in decent shape. One big caveat in all that is that we really don't know right now what's gonna be on people's minds in October and November. What we clearly have learned in the last year or so is that the issues come and go in very fast fashion right now.
1: A unanimous Supreme Court ruled Monday that Boston violated the free speech rights of a conservative activist when it refused his request to fly a Christian flag on a flagpole outside of City Hall. Justice Stephen Breyer wrote for the court that the city discriminated against the activist, Harold Shurtleff, because of his religious viewpoint even though it had routinely approved applications for use of one of the three flagpoles outside City Hall that fly the U.S., Massachusetts, and Boston flags.
4: NBC's Pete
1: Williams discusses the ruling. This is
4: a defeat for the city of Boston. It involved a controversy over flying a religious flag over Boston City Hall. Now the Supreme Court opinion today contains a uh, helpful photograph of City Hall in Boston. It has three flagpoles in front of the building. One flies the the city flag, one flies the Massachusetts state flag, which you you can't see in this photo. It's up there at the top. And one is available for uh, community groups to use to fly various flags uh, to commemorate city events. And the city has largely allowed all comers... Except for a group called Camp Constitution, which wanted to fly what it called the Christian flag, which was a red Latin cross on a blue background against a white field. And the city said, no, we can't do that because that would be a violation of the Establishment Clause. That would be a government endorsement of religion, so we can't let it fly. Williams goes on to explain that the Supreme Court wasn't buying any of Boston's arguments. And today, the Supreme Court said that argument doesn't fly. The court's ruling was nine to nothing. It unanimously said this was a public forum. Boston created a public forum open to all comers. And when it did that, it couldn't discriminate on the basis of viewpoint. And that's what it did when it said no to a Christian group.
1: The latest funding from the bipartisan infrastructure bill will help establish and retrofit battery factories. The Energy Department says the money will also go toward processing minerals for use in large-capacity batteries and recycling those batteries. President Biden's electric vehicle push is aimed at reducing carbon emissions, he says, as well as boosting some union manufacturing jobs in a few key election battleground states. David Howell, acting director of the Department of Energy's Office of Manufacturing, Join Yahoo Finance to discuss the $3 billion in financing to fund electric vehicle battery manufacturing.
5: So with this launch of the funding opportunity announcement supported by the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, also known as the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, um, we will be supporting the establishment of key manufacturing plants across the nation for the um, high-capacity battery supply chain, that supply chain that will support uh, the electric vehicle battery manufacturing here in the United States and and stationary battery manufacturing here in the United States.
1: According to Howell, the manufacturing plants will help automakers here at home. The, the establishment
5: of battery production plants, so these plants will actually be uh, those types of um production capabilities that would feed into those plants, making the advanced materials needed for those plants as inputs, and going all the way up to the supply chain of developing the advanced minerals that are needed for, um, for these plants. So yes, these, these plants that we're uh, focused on establishing will certainly um, uh, help all of the automakers establish
1: uh, battery production capability here in the United States. Amazon warehouse workers overwhelmingly rejected a union bid on Monday. It dealt a blow to organizers who last month pulled off the first successful U.S. organizing effort in the retail giant's history. This time around, warehouse workers cast 618 votes, or about 62%, against the union, giving Amazon enough support to fend off a second labor win as the tech giant continues to try and overturn its first loss. Daybreak Insider's Mike Hempen has that story.
0: About 62% of the workers voted against the union. That's according to the National Labor Relations Board, which oversaw the process. Turnout was 61%, with about 1,600 workers eligible to vote. The result is a blow to organizers who last month pulled off the first successful U.S. organizing effort in Amazon's history. An attorney who assisted the Amazon Labor Union, which led the organizing effort, says the group is planning to object. A separate election last month gave the ALU a surprise victory when workers at a different Staten Island facility voted in favor of unionizing. I'm Mike Hempen.
1: A manhunt for a dangerous criminal in Alabama may turn into something else. Authorities are searching for a murder suspect who escaped an Alabama jail and the official they believe may have helped him escape. The inmate, 38-year-old Casey Cole White, was scheduled for trial next month on a capital murder charge. Vicki White, the assistant director of corrections at the Lauderdale County Jail, told co-workers she was taking the inmate to the courthouse for a mental health evaluation. But authorities later determined that no such evaluation was scheduled. Lauderdale County Sheriff Rick Singleton says they're still investigating whether Vicky White was coerced into helping the prisoner escape or did it willingly.
5: This is not the Vicky White we know. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination she has been an exemplary employee uh, i was told by the director of the, the jail that friday night it was like you was at a funeral wake uh, the employees are just devastated uh, that she uh,
1: was involved in this now singleton says they're asking for the public's help in locating the pair
5: casey white as you've heard me say over and over is an extremely dangerous person and we need to get him located and get him off the street
1: And finally, New Zealand has begun welcoming back tourists from the U.S., Canada, Britain, Japan, and more than 50 other countries for the first time in more than two years after dropping most of its remaining pandemic border restrictions. The country has long been renowned for its breathtaking scenery and adventure tourism offerings. Before the spread of COVID-19, more than 3 million tourists visited each year, accounting for more than 5% of the country's economy. New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern says New Zealand is now open to tourists around the world.
0: In the early hours of this morning, we marked another big moment in our reconnection with the world, with our borders reopening to visitors from visa waiver countries, welcoming again tourists from the USA, UK, Japan, Germany, Canada, Korea, and Singapore.
1: Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or Salem Podcast Network.com. Get our Companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.